Live from New York City, it's the Gary Null Show. And now, your host, Gary Null. Hi, everyone. I'm Gary Null. Nice to have you with us today. We're going to have a lot of insights on health and healing. Tarragon, the herb, and its surprising health benefits, and how a large number of studies show what happens when you take vitamin D, how much longer you can live. Also, pre-hypertension, that means before you actually have it diagnosed, is associated with a greater stroke risk, a high-fiber diet is low risk of prostate cancer. We better understand now how vitamin D helps people with serotonin imbalances, especially those with autism. Greater lycopene intake associated with lower risk of prostate cancer. We're going to look at the omega-3 fatty acids and improving myocardial function and helping to prevent heart attacks. How DHA improves sleep, children's sleep. How you can compromise your immune system with low levels of vitamin D. And our nutrient of the day is the herb rhodiola. It's nature's energy booster. That's just some of our health and nutrition uptake. Then we're going to be looking at our environment, including oil on the tracks. Now, this is an interesting short review by Ben Jervy of the Smog blog. There were more oil spills from railroad cars in 2013 than in the previous 40 years. Wow. And yet, we're not talking about the safety when you transport this stuff. And for those individuals who say, well... You know, we weren't really in any harm this year of a Carrington-class uh, CME, weren't we? Well, then you weren't at the major solar eruptive event defining extreme space weather scenarios meeting in Boulder, Colorado. Then the uh, major players, the major scientists, government officials, emergency planners were all converged on Boulder. But then... It wasn't discussed perils and probabilities of solar storms. Instead, it was how close we came to getting creamed. Quote, if it hit, we would still be picking up the pieces, says Daniel Baker, University of Colorado, who presented a talk entitled The Major Solar Eruptive Event, Defining Extreme Weather in Space. What could have happened to us? Well, we almost got creamed. And we were just a small degree out of the cycle, or we would have a coronial mass and ejection from the sun, solar storm. We talked about it in depth, so they're real. Also today from our public health segment, who's behind the painkiller epidemic? Well, Martha Rosenberg says, Big Pharma, of course. And how many times have we now seen Anyone who has something legitimate, proven, scholarly, and documentable called a, well, a medical conspiracy nut. Well, Dr. Jeffrey Dack, medical doctor, board certified, decided to look into this. And what he found was interesting. I'll share this with you. Also, from Mother Jones, 
from an article by Kira Butler. I went to the nutritionist annual ComFat. It was created by McDonald's. Our national nutrition experts are in bed with big food, and we wonder why we're fat. Now, those are just some of the issues I'll be taking on, and I'll be also inviting you to share your questions and comments and thoughts on our talkback segment, 888-874-4888. Our call-in number from North American Canada is 888-874-4888. On tomorrow's show, I'll be giving you a rundown of all the different places people are listening and, and based on Google Analytics, how many people are listening around the world. Surprise me. I had no idea about these numbers. I mean, after all, I don't have the source material, but they do. Just to give you an example, for example, in, well, this is just the latest we had in India, 96,700. Australia, 52,000. London, 22,000. And so it goes around the world. So we have a lot of people listening all over the world. And, of course, in the United States. Let's begin. I enjoy using Terragon. Terra, T-A-R-R-A, Gon, G-O-N. Many of you have seen it. I don't know that you have used it. It's very good in Russian and French cuisine. I think it has a very exotic flavor and scent, and especially if you use it rather bland dishes. So if you use Terragon on roasted potatoes... With, uh, with a little bit of um, spicing, whatever spice you like. I happen to like lemon juice. Now, most people don't think about putting lemon juice on potatoes, but it really brings out the flavor. And, uh, but then tarragon, as a tarragon leaves crushed up, do the same. Put the two together, and you get a great way of having some potatoes. But there's more to tarragon than just one of the best flavors in all of eating I also do a reduction. What, th- what does that mean? It means that I take a particular item, let's say it's limes, and I grade the skin, I then juice the limes, I'll put that in, and I'll put a little bit of oil in it. It might be coconut oil, or it might be a, uh, it might be a walnut oil, whatever the oil is. Then I shake that, keep it in the fridge, lasts a long time, And then when I want a particular taste on a dish, I just spritz it in a little spritzer, much like you would a, uh, you know, mister on flowers. And that just imparts a wonderful flavor without it being oily. That's a great way to change the taste of otherwise common salads. Spray them. Spray them. Don't pour the stuff, the oil and vinegar, whatever you're using. Mist it. But you can do that with all the different oils, like I have a cinnamon basil or a lemon basil. You take the basil, it looks like regular basil, you chew on it, it immediately imparts lemon. And so you you uh, you you break down the basil, throw a whole cup in, and then you get the juice of that basil, and then you dilute it down um, with something else, a carrier. Let's say I would use Oh, coconut oil is good because coconut is just such a sweet-tasting oil, sweet-smelling oil, and it's impervious to normal heat, so you don't have it degrade and cause oxidative damage. 
So then you have sweet basil oil. Spray that on some item, like spray it on the top of a penne pasta, a rice pasta. And it'll give it much more rich flavor than if you just had some basil, because most people don't realize when you start putting basil, which is extremely sensitive to heat, into a pasta, you're not going to taste it. And it's going to be denatured. But if you take the oil and you make a reduction and then you spray it on, then it really, it just pops the flavor. You know, it's just sometime in the near future, I'm going to do just a one-week retreat on cooking. Yoga in the morning, cooking, yoga in the afternoon, all day cooking. I think that would be a lot of fun because I, I'm working on my next uh, cookbook, and I'm doing 300 recipes from around the world, taking the 10 most popular dishes in any country, their favorites, but making them vegan, healthy, wherever possible raw. And so you have to use a wide variety of seasonings, and that's how you get your best taste. But besides that, getting back to tarragon, according to an article published in the Journal of Agriculture and Food Chemistry, tarragon apparently has superior antioxidant properties. In fact, uh, it's been recognized to get rid of toothache, and that goes clear back to ancient history. It's high in what is called eugenol, which is a particular nutrient that helps relieve pain and minimizes gum soreness. And uh, also, in order to overcome hiccups, a Dr. Jean Valnet's recommendation, according to Natural News, would be to chewing tarragon leaves or taking three or four drops of the essential oil and mixing that with a little bit of raw tupelo honey or orange blossom honey and, and drinking it down. But here's where it got my attention. Those are minor. Staphylococcus aureus, E. coli, those are two real serious microbes that can get you sick, even kill you. A new study published in the Iranian Journal of Microbiology shows that tarragon has strong antibacterial properties. And uh, it can it can kill E. coli and the uh, aureus, Staphylococcus aureus. So, that's important. Then another report in the peer-reviewed journal Diabetes showed that uh, tarragon was reliable for helping increase appetite. And uh, bodybuilders uh, should use tarragon because it enhances creatine absorption and creatine helps give you muscle mass. So that's our important herb there. Meta means many. So when I see a meta-analysis of something important, I pay attention. This is from the peer-reviewed journal Anti-Cancer Research. And they looked at a meta-analysis, University of California, San Diego, and they found that vitamin D at higher doses helps protect against the risk of dying from breast cancer. Dr. Cedric Garland uh, looked at five observational studies of 4,443 women and found out that those who had the highest DHA levels, omega-3, had a 43% reduction in breast cancer death. 
compared to those with the levels that were low. So I suggest you take vitamin D to prevent breast cancer, and I suggest you take vitamin D if you have breast cancer. A good study showed that you may not be aware that you have pre-hypertension, but according to the Peer-Reviewed Journal Neurology, it reveals that any blood pressure reading above what is currently considered normal associates with a higher risk of stroke. From Southern Medical University, they looked at 760,000 men and women for their analysis, and they found that when you have even slightly elevated, quote, the prehypertension group, uh, who comprised up to 54% of the study participants, had an increased risk of stroke. Uh, and that's important. So if you want to reduce your risk of stroke, then reduce your blood pressure. Get off all the salt. More good news about grapes. In my opinion, grapes are one of nature's ten most perfect foods. From the Perry Journal Plus One, the results from the University of Adelaide, that's in Australia, found a protective benefit for grape seed extract against mucositis, one of the most damaging effects of chemotherapy. By the way, that's the condition that's characterized by inflammation and ulceration of the gastrointestinal tract that in and of itself can be extremely painful and could even kill you. And uh, they found that grapeseed extract was important and could help alleviate the, uh, the impact with 55% less inflammation. So now here's reason, and you rarely, if ever, find this in any of science. I'm appalled by monotheistic thinkers. I think they're dinosaurs. I, I'm appalled by what I see in science. Most of it's fraudulent or non-productive or just stupid. But if you have something that's able, under severe circumstances, you're, you're getting 5-fluor uracil, and you have extreme inflammation, but you're able to take that inflammation down by 55%, what then do you imagine would be the benefit if you didn't have chemotherapy and you just were a normal person having a normal diet? Then you would be taking that down far more than that. But they didn't extrapolate to that. They never extrapolate. It's, it's really unnerving. They might spend two years to determine that vitamin C at 2,000 milligrams was able to reduce the, uh, the, uh, the incidence of cancer of the prostate by X factor. Well, since when is it written that vitamin C, when it goes into your body, doesn't impact every single cell? Your blood carries all the nutrients throughout your body about every six and a half minutes. So it should be impacting all your vital organs, not just the one you targeted. Now, you may not know what percentage accurately it is, but you know that it's anti-carcinogenic. So then why don't you then promote it take vitamin C to prevent the cancer that it's able to reduce if you have the cancer. But they won't do that. They'll never do that. I've never seen such morons as work for governmental agencies. I don't know where they get these people, but uh, university professors, they're just, they're just clueless when it comes to public health. But you are smarter because you have reason and common sense. And with reason and common sense, take your grapes. Organic, of course, Great concentrate, 
grape juice, uh, proanthocytidins, grapeseed extract, any combination, and it'll help you. Increased intake of vitamin K is associated with a lower risk of dying over a 4.8-year median period. This was in the Journal of Nutrition. And they link a higher intake of vitamin K with a lower risk of dying from any cause over 4.8 years. They had 7,216 participants in the, uh, the study. And they wanted to look at the Mediterranean diet and the risk of cardiovascular disease. And they found it. So, 36% lower risk of dying from any cause and 46% lower risk of dying from cancer. So I'd say that's pretty good. Vitamin K. You can take it as a supplement. You don't need much. A couple milligrams. Or you can take it when you have kale, collard greens, bok choy, um, mustard greens. Yeah, easy to get it. And also, vitamin D with calcium can lower your bad lipid levels. 1,000 milligrams of calcium, 400 units of vitamin D3 over the course of the trial was able to show substantial improvement in blood lipid profiles. A high-fat diet means you're at lower risk of prostate cancer, according to the Journal of Nutrition. French researchers found the reduction by a prostate cancer over a 12.6-year medium among men with high intake of insoluble fibers. 3,313 men enrolled in the study, and uh, they followed them from 1994 to 2002, and that's what they found. Now, I believe that if they were examining the individuals at a higher level, meaning 50 grams of fiber, it would even be better. But that's my take on it. Um, I believe they'd be much, much better. But they still got 25% improvement and 53% lower risk of developing prostate cancer. So, that's good. Also, they, they finally found a mechanism that, that links decreased levels of vitamin D and serotonin in autism patients. That's important. Because one of the very first things you do if you have a child who has autism spectrum disorder, remember, it's not a condition. It's a whole spectrum from mild, maybe uh, learning problems, a cognitive response, to full-blown uh, autism to Asperger's. You check the mitochondria because they find dysfunction in the mitochondria, and that's crucial because your immune system and your energy levels are directly related to that. Then you try to chelate out the toxins, especially from the vaccines and heavy metals, that's easy enough to do. Then you help rebuild the brain that may have been damaged by environmental exposures, especially to aluminum. And that's not difficult to do either. Holistic neurologists know how to do that. And then you start seeing major improvements. Not a penny is being spent for anything I just mentioned. They're putting it all to where they always do. Pharmaceutical physicians, generally who are associated with universities that receive large grants from the pharmaceutical companies, prayed up to Congress and talk about how they're doing research on ways of improving conditions in autism. They never look at the fact they've never gotten any benefit, but they've spent hundreds of billions of dollars. doesn't matter. 
and there and there's such hypocrisy in the field because I happen to know one of the most important people in all of autism. He called me, and he said, "I heard from a friend of mine that um, that you're able to help people with autism." I said, "Well, I, I I have had people that I've worked with who've made improvements. Yes, using only natural therapies. That's, that's correct. I don't use any medical therapies." He said, "Well, okay." I want you to speak to such and such. And I did. And once I started talking about what I use as a protocol to share with physicians and caregivers and family members, he cut the conversation short. Then I looked into the background of the company or the foundation, and all of his money comes from pharmaceutical companies. All of his board of directors are medical doctors from pharmaceutical companies. And then the hypocrisy was that I went to the U.N., and uh, to film this person on autism, International Autism Day. And he gave a talk about how we need more money for more research in the pharmaceuticals to help. And then I went up to him afterwards. You've got to see this. Uh, just as he was exiting. And I said, excuse me. I said, um, we've never met in person. I'm Gary Nall. You called me? Oh, yeah. Why didn't you mention anything in your talk about natural therapies? Well, you know, there's it's still experimental. I said, just tell me if I've got my facts wrong here. Isn't it true that your son's son is being treated by a holistic physician in Texas using only uh, alternative natural therapies and is making good progress? Well, <clears throat> that's, only, uh, that, that's only one person. I said, no, it's not. You also fully aware the Dan Society. There are hundreds. I met with 400 parents whose children have made major improvement. Many of those parents were physicians. He said, well, well, I don't have time now to talk, and buzzed off. Everywhere you look, pharmaceutical has its greedy, corrupt, rotten hands over everything, especially your politician. But they're the easiest people to buy, unfortunately. Greater lycopene intake associated with a lower prostate cancer risk from the Journal of the National Cancer Institute. More evidence that... There's a protective effect of lycopene. Now, that's a carotenoid. You get it in watermelon. You get it in tomatoes. You get it in red grapes. It's the red pigmented plants, and that can help prevent prostate cancer. Harvard researchers evaluated data from 49,898 health male doctors and uh, found that over a long period of time, 22 years, those who took the highest amount of lycopene-containing fruits and vegetables had a 20% lower risk of prostate cancer compared to those who took the lowest. And when the risk of lethal prostate cancer was examined, those with the highest intake experienced a 44% lower risk. So that is positive with lycopene. Also, the omega-3 fatty acids improved myocardial function and oxidative stress Reduction. In an article that appeared in Mediators of Inflammation, they looked at the omega-3 fatty acids and Rett syndrome, which is a neurodevelopmental disorder associated with a 300-fold increase in the risk of sudden cardiac death in comparison to that of the general population. And they took 66 Rett syndrome patients. Half the patients received supplements containing omega-3 fatty acids for one year. The remainder received no supplementation. 
And uh, they took an echocardiograph of myocardial function before and after the treatment period. And what they found was that the omega-3 supplemented group experienced a reduction in oxidative stress markers, and there was no change in the other group. So it could save lives. Also, DHA improves children's sleep. An article published in the Journal of Sleep Research revealed an association between higher levels of the omega-3 fatty acids and DHA and better children's sleep. They took 600 milligrams of DHA per day for 16 weeks and improved sleep substantially. And finally, vitamin D levels associated with compromised immune function. In the Journal of Clinical Endocrinology and Metabolism, vitamin D deficiency, when you don't have enough, created markers of inflammation in older men and women, indicating immune dysfunction. So make sure you get your vitamin D. Finally, our uh, I'd given a lot of attention to um, one herb. Now I'll give you another one. This is rhodiola. This is from Pete Crota. It says, a unique rebel, uh, herbal remedy, rhodiola, grows in, and thrives in dry, sandy ground at high altitudes in the Arctic areas of Europe and Asia. Soviet scientists have long known this native herb, particularly the species known as rhodiola rosea, can boost energy and treatmental fatigue. Now they're looking at what it does, and it improves your body's response to stress. <clears throat> we could all benefit from that. It enhances our nervous system. That's important. And it boosts physical endurance. That would be good for athletes or people who do a lot of physical work. And it highlights that it can impact your blood sugar as well. So... <clears throat> For all these things, make sure you're getting rhodiola. I'm Gary Nall. We're going to take a look at the questions you have now. So give a call, 888-874-4888. That's 888-874-4888. Back in a moment. Please stay with us. going to go to your calls in just a moment. You can call in now at 888-874-4888. This is from Kira Butler from Mother Jones. It's going to be up on our website, and which you can get to at blog.garyandall.com. And we want to thank the millions upon millions of people who've gone there and read the articles and uh, 
downloaded films, share them with other people. It's there as an information source and a call to action. The title of the article is, I went to the nutritionist annual confad. It was created by McDonald's. Our nutrition experts, quote, are in bed with big food, and we wonder why we're fat. One recent Friday afternoon, in a Marriott Hotel ballroom in Pomona, California, I watched two women skeptically evaluate their McDonald's lunches. One paired into a plastic bowl containing a salad of lettuce, bacon, chicken, cheese, and ranch dressing. The other arranged two chocolate chip cookies and a yogurt parfait on a napkin. And, uh... The women with the salad uh, nodded that it was okay. When I asked how were they liking their lunches, however, both women grimped and assured me that they were, quote, never go to McDonald's. So are you eating it today? Well, they really didn't have a choice. The women were registered dietitians halfway through a two-day of annual conference of the California Dietetic Association. They were hoping to race up some of the... uh, rack up some of the continuing education credits they needed to maintain their certification. McDonald's, the conference's featured sponsor, was the sole provider of lunch. Quote, I guess it's good to know that they have healthier options now, said the woman with the salad. As I wandered the exhibition hall, I saw that McDonald's wasn't the only food company giving away freebies. Cheerful reps at their Hershey's booth passed out miniature cartons of chocolate and strawberry milk. Butterbuds offered packets of fake butter crystals. The California Beef Council guy gave me a pamphlet on how to lose weight by eating steaks. Amy's Natural had microwave brownies. The night before, Sizzler, California Pizza Kitchen, and Boston Market and other chain restaurants had hosted a free evening buffet for conference goers. And that's not all. The sessions, the real meat and potatoes of the conference, had food industry sponsors as well. The Wheat Council hosted a presentation about how gluten intolerance was just a fad, not a real medical problem. The International Food Information Council, whose supporters include Coca-Cola, Hershey's, Yum Brands, Kraft, and McDonald's, presented a discussion in which the panelists assured audience members that genetically modified foods were safe and environmentally sustainable. Quote, In bringing affordable, healthier food to communities, Walmart's spokesperson sang the praises of Walmart. After lunch, I attended Sweeteners in Schools, Keeping Science First in a Controversial Discussion, sponsored by the Corn Refiners Association, whose members produce and sell high-fructose corn syrup. It included a panel composed of three of the trade group's representatives. The panelists bemoaned some schools' decision to remove chocolate milk from their cafeteria menus. Later, one of the panelists said she had been dismayed to learn that some schools had banned sugary treats from classrooms and Valentine's Day parties, which, quote, could be a teachable moment for kids about moderation. The moderator nodded in agreement and added, the bottom line is that all sugars contain the same calories, so you can't say that there's one ingredient causing the obesity crisis. The claim was presented as fact, despite mounting scientific evidence that high-fructose corn syrup promotes more weight gain than other sugars. Did they ever hear of stevia or xylitol? Later, I asked conference spokeswoman Pat Smith whether she thought it was fair to present such a one-sided discussion. 
She claimed that the sponsors did not influence any of the content in the program. Quote, we like to think that our dietitians have a thought process and that we are presenting them with what's out there. They need to make up their own decisions on what they have listened to and apply it to their client base. Hmm. She told me that she hadn't known beforehand that the corn refiners panel would be composed entirely of its own representatives. And yet, when I asked her how the panel was chosen, she explained that it was approved by a committee. She also confirmed that the corn refiners had paid for the panel, but she declined to say how much. With 75,000 members, the California Dietetic Association's parent organization, the National Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics, is the world's largest profession association for nutritionists and dietitians. It accredits undergraduate and graduate programs, nutrition science, and awards credentials to dietitian degrees, candidates who pass this exam. In Washington, its lobbying arm is active on issues including childhood obesity, Medicare, and the Farm Bill. It also has strong ties to the food industry. Michelle Simon, a public health lawyer and food politics blogger, launched an investigation into the Academy's sponsorship policies. Simon found that its corporate support has increased dramatically over the past decade. In 2001, the Academy had 10 sponsors. Now it has 38, including Coca-Cola, Pepsi-Cola, Nestle's, the National Cattlemen's Beef Association, Mars, and many others. Corporate contributions are the largest source of its income, generating 40% of its total revenue. Simon has learned that, well, Nestle's paid $47,000 for its booth, and Pepsi-Cola paid $38,000 for its 1,600-square-foot booth. The Academy's position paper, she noted, state that its sponsors do not influence its positions on controversial issues. Yeah. What do you think, we're idiots? And is not the only powerful nutritionist group with strong corporate ties. The sponsors of the School Nutrition Association annual conference included Pepsi-Cola, Domino's Pizza, and Sara Lee. The School Nutrition Association made headlines recently when it asked Congress to lift the rule that students must take fruit and vegetables on the lunch line. Of course they shouldn't have fruits and vegetables. How foolish of anyone to think that that has anything to do with health. They should have sugar and pizza and live on colas. What are these people thinking? (laughs) And then it just gets worse from there. Well, I'm a dietitian. I'm a registered dietitian. I went to dietetic school. I was the only person in the school's history, I was informed, that was ever called to the president's office five times in one month for causing disruption in the classroom. The disruption was simply me asking questions politely. Let's go over and say hello to Luann Panessi. Hi, Luann. Hello, Gary. Well, I agree with you. I feel the same way about nurses. If you see a nurse or even a physician that isn't exemplifying optimal health, you've got to think twice. And I remember where I worked, you know, a lot of nurses were obese. They were smoking. They were just completely unhealthy. And I was one of them. I was walking around just like that. Not obese, but I I had acne, and I wasn't a picture of health. So it makes you wonder. Anyway, I have an email here. Um, this one is uh, from Richard from Boston. He said, I started listening to you about two years ago. He said, my partner gave me a copy of the fascism series as a birthday gift, and I didn't pick it up for six months. But once I started listening to it, I couldn't stop listening. 
And what I learned is that you're a person of substance, scholarship, and commitment. And yet, if people ask me to define you, I have a very hard time trying to define you to others. He says, on some issues you're liberal, others conservative, and he says, I never heard of the term corporate Democrat or or corporate uh, Republican until you coined the phrase first, and now it seems everyone's using it. So he says, can you explain what your foundational beliefs are? Do you have an ideology or a set of principles that define you? And he says, by the way, I passed around your article at the university last week called The Hidden Hand, and they just don't know how to handle it because your scholarship is so accurate and your source is well documented. It just just plain shows the truth. All right. Well, I guess some people are confused, and I, I could understand that. Because on the one hand, historically, you define people by the mediums they use. So for decades, those of us who believed in progressive ideals, we had very few venues that we could appear on. I, I had an exception in that I was on ABC when the rest of the station was principally conservative in the programming, and, and mine was just tell the truth on issues that empower people and you live a longer and healthier life. It was simple. But on being on BAI for all these almost 39 years, people assume that you're going to be marching in step with everyone else's ideology. I don't have an ideology. I don't have an overarching um, philosophy I try to share with people. Never have. What I believe in is you look for the truth and you share it. But you don't look first at who is telling you the truth. You look for the truth by itself. So therefore you can select pieces from everywhere and pull them together. And that that is why it seems a little confusing at times. For example, I'm against any... I'll, I'll go through some of the policies. I believe in universal health care, but I also believe that if you want to have a private insurance and select your own physicians and pay for it, either directly or through your insurance, you should have that right. But we should also have a universal health care program that would provide everyone else who couldn't afford private insurance, private doctors, quality health care so nobody would be denied. And that's easily fundable. And it wouldn't be a deficit because a part of a real health program would be prevention and looking at the best ways of helping someone, not the ways that are mechanistic, that are contrived. Because at least 100 to $300 billion a year is complete waste in our health care system because of defensive medicine. I believe we should have no-fault medicine so that no doctor, nurse, or hospital could be sued and end up uh, you know, bankrupt. Instead, you have people compensated to the degree that they can prove injury and that they are helped in their recovery and, and all of their after-work uh, free, so legitimate, uh, legitimate uh, conditions are then uh, treated. Right now, it's we, we are we are extremely litigious nation, and a lot of people take advantage of systems. But also, I believe that we should have a flat tax. Why? Because I pay all my taxes. I'm sure most people listening right now do, but most of the largest corporations in America don't pay a penny taxes. They hide that offshore. So if we were to get all of them to pay 
a flat tax, let's say 20%, which is very reasonable, 15% lower than what it is now, then that would give us an extra trillion dollars, especially if you then gave a one-time of tax to bring in all that 33 to $36 trillion sitting in foreign bank accounts. That would be a tremendous boom to the United States, and we would make about $6 trillion in that penalty fee, but then they could use their money. They don't have to hide it. And uh, and then, then you can eliminate the IRS. Eliminating the IRS, eliminating all the bookkeeping, eliminating all the accounting, eliminating all the auditing and all the punishment. It's just everybody that has a business pays the tax. No deductions. I mean, that would, in other words, everyone's going to pay. If you put a tax on every one of the micro trades on Wall Street, every trade, you'd bring an additional one to three trillion dollars a year. That would be fair. And it still wouldn't cost the people doing all this trading because they're still coming out way ahead in what they make. Simple things. If we close down all foreign military bases that we don't need, that's about 90% of them. If we spent only the amount of money we need for actual national defense, we would save over $1.2 trillion a year. If you didn't have doctors feeling they were going to get sued in hospitals and they wouldn't be practicing defensive medicine, that would save between one to two billion, $200 billion a year. If we scrapped the Medicare law section on drugs that was written by the pharmaceutical industry, not Congress, but the people who promoted it in Congress immediately left after the bill was passed and went to work, including the major promoter of the bill, went to work for $2 million a year with Pharmaceutical Advertising Council. So if you scrap that, rescinded that, and then allowed the government, the VA, the Medicaid, Medicare, to look for the cheapest generic drug prices instead of the most expensive ones, you would save an additional two to $300 billion a year. If you stopped all corporate welfare, that would save anywhere on the low end from $200 billion, including tax write-offs uh, and allowances, up to $500 billion a year. Well, suddenly simple processes are, make the equation to where you've already made over $9 trillion in one year. That substantially helps, I believe, in re- eliminating all interest on all student debt and maximizing the amount anyone can charge on commercial debt to 2%. That's still a 200% profit for the banks that are using the credit cards. So it's not difficult. The answers are not difficult. So whether or not those align with a libertarian, Democrat, uh, Republican uh, ideology is irrelevant to me. All I care about is let's stop making problems. Let's start making solutions. If we want to plant trees in every state, we could plant over a billion trees. And, uh, and you could easily plant 5 to 10 million trees in certain states. That acts as a carbon sink. You put people to work at a living wage that reduces unemployment by about 2 to 3 million people. That puts more money in the local economies. If you stopped outsourcing, if you made it against the law to actually outsource any more jobs to China and any of these other countries and instead had an America restoration program, then you could re-industrialize with small industries all across the United States and get rid of the Rust Belts and bring people and jobs back. 
but you can't do that if you're trying trying to sign the Trans-Pacific Partnership Treaty or the Transatlantic Partnership Treaty or other treaties that are going to virtually destroy America's sovereignty. If you really cared about our rights, then make it against law for anyone to spy upon us. But now we have a fourth estate, and that fourth estate is the national security state. Stop militarizing the police. Stop allowing toxic chemicals into the environment. Reverse it. You must prove a chemical safe before it's allowed on the market, not having to prove that it's dangerous. Um, start rehabilitating neighborhoods. Start de-ghettoizing our, our society. Put support systems in place to allow sustainability. Stop genetic engineering from being able to dominate the, uh, the food supply. Stop all money in elections. No one should have to fear losing an election where they have higher principles than the person that has the money, but the money buys the election. And start to reverse. I believe that we should have new Continental Congress. I believe that we should take back the power to the states and to local communities the federal government has captured for itself. We have an out-of-control, completely psychopathic executive branch of government. And you should not have two sets of laws, one for everyone else and one for the rich and powerful. If we're supposed to be governed by some principle of, of justice and morality, then everyone should be held equally accountable with the law. That hasn't been the case in a long time. Stop corporatizing and privatizing everything. What is in common should stay in common. So when you look at the world from a more honest perspective, looking for the truth, there's no complications. The complications to everything happens when you try to strain it through a completely corrupt and dysfunctional ideology. And that's why I don't belong to these ideologies. I never have and I never will. Because you may find a grain of truth here and there, and that's what brings people to them, but then you start seeing what they're really about. There was a fellow back in in uh, California. His name was Baker. Uh, did, you ever, did you ever hear of him? Did you ever hear of uh, um, Jim Baker and the Source family? Oh, yes, of course. Well, I used to go out to L.A. all the time. I mean, just sometimes weekly to do television shows. And used to be on with Regis Philbin on the AM Los Angeles show. And I would eat at the Source restaurant, which I love the salads there. And the salad dressing was the best I'd ever eaten. And the the reputation of this guy, I met him, and the reputation, <laughs> I thought he was a complete psychopath. I mean, this guy was a killer. I mean, he, he was a psychopath. He killed people. He killed three people. He uh, got away with self-defense on one, not the other two. But he owned all these different health restaurants, and uh, but then he lost them, and except for the source. But any day you go to the source and you see everyone hanging out there, and it was a fun place. And But from 1971 to 1975, uh, if you were a, a young uh, woman, let's say 16, 15, 14, you didn't have a good relationship with your father, maybe none at all. Oh, he was the father figure. And uh, so people would congregate there. I've never seen that many young people in my life congregate in a place. They all work for free. 
but they also not only work for free, if they had anything, they donated it to him. You know, Rolls Royce, cars, money, everything they gave this guy. And uh, so he let his hair grow and grew a big beard, and then he, he became their guru. And uh, he had 140 people living in this house, and they all believed in him. You know, he'd start the day with him with, I went up there once, with, with meditation, and then they would, the food, the, the dye part was right. He got that right. But everything else was just out and out stupid. It was a cult. And this, I think it was 1975 that he was in Hawaii, moved to Hawaii because his neighbors were freaked out over him. And even in Hawaii, it, it, was, it was not a good place for him to live. So he decided to go hang gliding one day. And he, at that point, he had believed he was God. He actually had to tell telling people, I'm God, I'm God. And they believed him to be God. And he had like 13 wives. And uh, so he goes sailing off and <laughs> falls into the ocean, <laughs> breaks his back. But because he told them he didn't believe in medicine, they didn't take him to the hospital. Of course, then he dies. And then they had all these, well, his spirit left and blah, blah, blah. And it just reminds me of how we can get caught up in beliefs, whether we're young and impressionable and coming from some dysfunctional background that makes us susceptible to um, messianic, complex people, or whether we're older, Fox listeners, 70, 71, 72, frustrated, and, and rightly so. And we look at modern-day versions of this man, like Bill Riley, who have such megalomania and narcissism, but they have no problem being absolutely certain in all their virtues and certain that this should happen and that should happen, this is what it should be, and militarization and war on Iraq and everything is what it should be, fight with might, manifest destiny, and never once having the humility to say, my actions and my words cause so many people in America and in other countries to die and be injured, become homeless, that I can no longer, in good confidence, be a voice of reason because I was not. And therefore, I'm going to retire. That's what he should have said. But then again, all of these neocons should have said it. None of them did. And on the left, the same way, because the left has its own uh, messianic personalities. People only knew the truth behind the scene. They'd be, they'd be shocked by their so-called many of their so-called favorites including ones that want us going to Libya also. Isn't it amazing what we condemn people on the right for? We don't even begin to whisper a condemnation towards people on the left to do the same thing. But that's you, you, people are true believers. Whether you're a true believer in anything, you're not going to be open to challenging your beliefs. And how can you grow until you can challenge your beliefs to see what are your weakest beliefs, which don't hold water, which are non-supportable by truth, so you can surrender those and grow forward. And until such time that you can surrender your weakest link, then you're going to be a captive to it. And that is not healthy. So that's why today I believe that we have thousands upon thousands of Jim Bakers, just uh, more media savvy. They don't have to have 13 wives. They can belong to any part of the political system, the corporate system. They can become a part of our news media, and but the outcome is always the same. One day, sooner or later, they show their humanness, their weakness, their frailties, and then their followers are discouraged, disappointed, because it was the illusion 
of their omnipotence that attracted people to them, not their humanists. And that's why you don't see humanistic or spiritual people in positions of power today in the United States. I wish it were otherwise. It isn't. It terrifies us. So that's why it could be confusing, unless you know who I am, that I'm, I don't care about ideologies. I don't care about supporting power base. I don't care about supporting political systems. I just care about the truth. And that's it. Nothing else. It's that simple. Okay? Make it sound easy. It is easy. I haven't found any of the problems of life to be difficult. The problem occurs when we are not honest about the problem. And then we start emoting, and our emoting comes from our subconscious, and our subconscious is conditioned by millions of inputs, 50,000 thoughts every day. Almost all that comes from our subconscious, and that's from a lifetime of conditioning. That's the problem. That's quagmire. That's quicksand. So don't go to look for your solutions in the midst of all your problems. Thank you, for Luann, for calling in and sharing that thought. We're out of time. I want to thank you all for listening. I look forward to sharing more tomorrow. Have a nice day, everyone. Show me.